Hey everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm joined by Samantha Massell, who, in addition to many other things, like two Broadway shows under her belt, she also was able to graduate the University of Michigan with eight semesters of straight A's, which in my opinion is pretty cool. Hi, Samantha. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? How are you holding up? Oh, I'm fine. You know, we're all, we're, we're surviving, we're healthy, and we're, uh, we've got a roof over our heads, and we're not much more you can ask for. And you're yeah. Still- oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Are you in New York City? I am. I'm from New York City, so um, I okay. didn't really have any place to escape to, um, other than my mother's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been here the whole time. Okay. Is it nice seeing New York kind of getting a little bit more busy after the months of it being dead almost. Yeah, uh, yes, I. it was for a while. I mean, like in March, April, May, um, I remember it was just like a bit of a ghost town. You'd go out at mm-hmm. night, you no know, cars in the street. I'd go on these really long dog walks with my dog and my friend and her dog and it would just be like silence and sirens. Right. Um, which was very eerie. But then around, I think like late May, June is when it started to feel a little bit more like the city I knew. And and honestly, like, obviously what's going on is horrible, but it almost feels normal right now. Other than that, we wear a mask and don't see our friends. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's some elements of things that really do feel real. Right, right. And that's good. It was, it's been a long year, so. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. So like you said, you grew up in New York City, which is a blessing in itself but especially a blessing when you want to go into a career in the performing arts. So going back to the very beginning, how did you get into theater? Um, I was, I was, I was always singing when I was a kid and I was introduced to musicals by um, my family at a young age, things like Annie and Fiddler on the Roof were just like movies I watched all the time. And I was always singing. Um, And because I grew up here, you know, I went to see a Broadway show or two when I was a kid. I remember seeing kids on stage and being like, I want to do that. I could do that. Um, and I asked my mom for an agent <laughs> when I was eight years old. However, I yeah. found out what that meant. I have no idea. And she was just like, what? And like, okay. Um, yeah. Like, what, how do you even know what this is? And I was like, I don't know. Right. Um, and there was, this is a funny story, actually. I was, there's a rehearsal studio on 72nd street, um, Ripley Greer 72. When I was a kid, I used to take like a class there acting a singing class or some, of some sort. I don't really remember it. But I do remember this. Um, there's one day where um, I was supposed to be going to this class and I was running up the stairs of this like studio and I heard kids singing the songs from Annie. And I was like, I know these songs, what's going on? And so I like got off at the wrong floor on, in the staircase and I um, realized that they were holding auditions for the Annie remake film. And I sat oh. down, I wrote my name on the sign in sheet and I just missed my whole class waiting for my chance to audition. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand. So is this the 2014 film or 2012 or something oh. like that? No, it was um, a lot longer ago than that. It aired. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't even remember what year it is, but um, it was not 2014, though I appreciate that you Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I waited um, for a long time. All these girls had agents and appointments and they, um, finally the casting director left the room because it was the end of the day. She had no one else to see and she saw this woman yeah. sitting out there, me. 
And my mom looks at her and is like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the woman says, um, do you have a headshot? And I was like, I don't know what that is. She says, do you have a resume? I was like, I don't know what that is. And my mom was like, she doesn't even have an appointment. <laughs> and then she <laughs> says, well, does she know the songs from Annie? And my mom said, yes. And she, the woman brought me in and I sang with her for like 45 minutes. And then I came out and the woman looked at my mother like she was a criminal and said, you have to get this kid an agent. And that's how I sort of got started in the business. Um, one thing led to another. Yeah. That's how and I that's, battle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's such a, like a movie type success story, you know, the spur of the moment audition. Sure. Makes it, you know, that, that, that fun little story. Yeah. So that's sort of how I um, started working as a kid. Yeah. And then you went to college and you went and you went back to New York City, I'm guessing, which is yeah. where you're from. And then you booked Broadway. <laughs> and I mean, that's like the height of what every Broadway perform or what every performer wants to achieve is to be on Broadway, to be on that stage, which is incredible. And you did it twice. So what was it like? Well, the first time I was on... Uh... Thank you. That's very sweet. The first time I was on Broadway, I was a kid. So that was a few years after this audition where I convinced my mother to get me an agent. Um, and I did a show um, directed by Baz Luhrmann um, called La Boheme, which was an opera that was on Broadway. Mm -hmm. I did that when I was a kid. Um, so I was in seventh grade and I was also doing this show. Um, and then I, you're right. I went away to college. I came back. I hustled for a really long time. I didn't just walk back onto Broadway, trust me. Um, and um, I... I don't remember the question. And then I got Fiddler. What's the question? Remind me the question. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, what was it like with the first time you booked Broadway? Yes. The first time I booked Broadway, I was 12. Um, and it was very exciting. Um, though there was a, through a series of events, I think I sort of knew I was going to get it. So the actual moment of booking it was a little like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, okay. At the time it was very exciting because I also got a dog that weekend. So it was just like, oh, nice. Pop that. Every 12 year old's dream. Every, literally, it was, I was like, what else should I ask for? Because apparently it's going to come true. Um, yeah. So that was great. Um, when I got Fiddler, though, obviously, I, there was a, a new, it, it felt validating in a very different way to feel no be say. Sorry, my dog's now having a conversation with the door. Um, babe, nothing, nothing. Um, to get to be a part of such an incredible production of a show that means a lot to me. Um, in the same theater that I made my Broadway debut in um, was just, it was just a total dream come true. And um, knowing to, to get a job like this and um, is so hard. It's really like, I know it sounds like, oh, you booked Broadway and then it's amazing. Like, oh, now my dog's gonna walk over me. Sure, do what you need. <laughs> to get a job like this is so hard. It takes so much work and training and hustling and and you know, keeping your yourself all aligned and in tune, and um, it's just so it's such a competitive field that it just to have a win like that is is um, makes you feel like you know why you're doing it, and to get to do the actual thing, to get to actually because so many so much time as performers, we um, spend a lot of time not doing what we're what we want to be doing. Mm -hmm. We're auditioning, which is like a little bit of that, but we're not actually doing the thing that we signed up to do. We're sort of, yeah. we're like trying to do it. So to get that mm -hmm. opportunity, it just feels like, okay, I, I, I can do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
And I mean, obviously being in seventh grade, you knew what Broadway meant and you knew what like a big deal it was, especially growing up in New York. And what was it like handling like school and Broadway and, you know, all this crazy stuff that goes on in between? Yeah, um, well, I, the show I did, Love OM, um, had a children's chorus and there were 16 kids, but only eight of us performed at each show. So we were what's called double cast. So I actually only did four shows a week, um, which meant I only did two Wednesday matinees a month. So my high school had, my high school started in seventh grade. We had a thing where the first Wednesday of every month was a half day. So I actually only ever missed two classes a month. So it worked out kind of perfectly. Um, I would just ride the subway down. We were not in the third act of the opera. So we were actually allowed to go home. We did not bow at the end of the night, which seems sort of weird now that I think about it. Um, But it was just, I wanted to do it. So I, you know, I would go to school. I do my homework. I go to the theater and I'd come home. It was pretty, um, yeah, I think if you want something like that, you, um, you do what you can to make it, make it work. Oh, yeah. And then how do you think that, like, performing experience has helped you so far in your career starting at such a young age? It's a really good question. Um, I think there's, you know, going, I went to the University of Michigan. I just remember I knew, I knew some stuff about how it worked in New York. I knew some stuff about how auditions worked and how callbacks worked and how it actually felt to go to the theater every day. Um, I had some concept of that, which a lot of kids who go to the similar BFA programs only get when they start working after college. Um, in terms of the New York element of it all, because I grew up here, it's different. Um, there's a hustle, there's a speed at which people move around um, and do things. So I was familiar with that. Um, but I think above all, um, it just gave me a great sense of work ethic. Um, I went to a very competitive academic high school. You know, like theater was not really a thing there. It was not celebrated. It was just math, science, English, social studies, get good grades and good SAT scores. Um, and to do everything I was doing, which was being in a show. And if not that auditioning on top of it, it just taught me how to manage my time, how to be really efficient and what, you know, the value of good work was. Um, and I think I've taken that into my life in ways beyond performing, but it's just, it taught me, taught me that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you went to the university of Michigan, which if you're listening and you don't know, it's a very, very good school. Um, the number one public university in the U S always ranked at least in the top five of every single musical theater blog of best colleges. It's a really good school. They only accept like what 30 people a year, probably more like 20. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 20 people. Um, and so obviously that's an insanely small number, even for theater schools, which usually don't accept more than a hundred people. Even that is so, so small. Yeah. Um, and so what was, I mean, obviously this was a little while ago, but what do you remember about that whole audition process going into it with the mindset of knowing how professional auditions work? Yeah. You know what? I think I actually probably felt a little bit more pressure because I was a kid. I remember when I got into Michigan, we had like a Facebook group at the time for the kids in the class. And I didn't want to tell anybody I'd been on Broadway because I didn't want them to think I, <laughs> I didn't want to feel like I had something to live up to. Like I had already done yeah. that we were all going to school to do. Not that I was ready for it at all. I was a kid, you know, but I didn't want anyone to know. And then a girl who's now one of my best friends, Chelsea was like, did you guys all know Sam's been on Broadway? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I found out. Uh, yeah. 
it was interesting. I, um, coming from the high school I went to, I mostly only applied to regular college. Um, my final decision was actually between Columbia. I just got in for regular college and Michigan. I threw like a couple of these musical theater programs onto my list. Um, I knew they were very competitive and I think I probably felt more pressure to get into them because of my experience. Um, I was like, well, if I'm experienced, I must also mm -hmm. succeed in this process, which is a lot of undue pressure to put on yourself when you're 18 or 17. Um, what was the process like? Um, I know the, de the decision was really hard. I grew up in New York. I wanted to stay in New York. I thought I could just work with my voice teacher and live at home and audition. And I'm so glad I went to Michigan because I would not be the performer or the person that I am today without um, that education and that group of people. But um, yeah, I remember, I, 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 <laughs> I remember flying to Ann Arbor. I had already visited the school, I think. I flew to Ann Arbor. We stayed at a hotel. We woke up really early. There was like an info session. We had a dance call. Um, and then everyone got changed. And then you did your monologues, piano and vocal audition. And then I think I got a call like two weeks later that I was accepted. Um, was it? I yeah, I think it was like two, two weeks. weeks. Once I got a, I had a call fast. from an Ann Arbor area code. I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, and I yeah. remember my mom, I was, it's funny, I actually work now as a private coach for kids who are applying to Michigan and other similar musical theater programs. And um, I was an anomaly for only applying to three musical theater schools. I mostly applied to regular, just. Yeah, because most people apply yeah. to like. And I, I wasn't so set on going. I knew I wanted to be are. a performer. I didn't feel so set on going to one of these programs, which um, that was just from my background, what I thought mm -hmm. was, you know, a possible path. And, um, yeah. I remember my mom told me this yeah. story. She was like having a coffee with some of the other mothers as they were waiting for their kids to go through this audition and everybody was sitting around the table. How many schools is your kid applying yeah. to? Da, 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 da. You know, 18, 21. And then my mom was like, three, like, three. Are you crazy? <laughs> um, anyway. Right. Um, so right. yeah, I remember lots of bits and pieces of that audition day. It was a very, it was exciting and it's nice. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. And I mean, like with how competitive these programs are, I think it was good that you weren't like putting like your entire like focus and your entire like worth onto this one thing, because that can be so like harmful if you don't get in, even if you're good enough to make it on Broadway. Like that's why- the free screens to these schools. I, I know because I work with them and it's just such a competitive process. But you know, you never want your worth to be defined by this. Otherwise you will have no worth. It's a field of a law of yeah. rejection. Um, so mm -hmm. yes. Oh correct. yeah. And oops. yeah. And so like you have, like, as I said at the beginning, you actually double majored at the University of Michigan, which is also not an easy process because it's not like other schools where you can just select in your second year, I want to do another major. You have to actually be admitted academically into well, the sort other of. At Michigan, it was a little choice. different. At Michigan, um, right. all the kids who get into the musical theater program or even get auditions have to pass an academic screening. So I didn't have to then apply to the other school. I just, right, what right, I did yeah. have to do was pass out of a lot of requirements with AP tests. And I took a lot more, I took a lot of classes. 
Yeah. Um, but that was also part of the reason why I only applied to three schools because I was, it was very important to me to also get a, in, I'm going to put this in quotation marks, an academic degree. Um, because that was, I grew yeah. up in a very academic y background. And I think I would have felt like I was missing something of the college experience had I not done that. Um, so that's why I didn't apply to um, more true conservatories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And obviously with BFAs, which is the Bachelor's of Fine Arts, which are performance-based degrees, there aren't many liberal arts or general education classes that can overlap into the program requirements of your other school. So how, and like you said, you grew up learning how to manage your time. So how do you, how did you kind of manage your schedule and I guess manage your time with two like entire course loads of a degree? At in times four it was years, which you actually um, Part of it was that I came in with is... a lot of credits. My high school was accelerated, so I'd taken a lot of AP classes, and those exams translated into credits for the degree in the in LSA, which is the not not the music school. That was part of it. I also passed out of four semesters yeah. of language, which was part of it. Um, that was very helpful. Um, a lot of there were a few things where I was able to have them count for both. Um, like amazingly, music theory counted counted for math because that would have been, if I had to take a math class in college, I would have been very sad. Um, so that was very, oh, not yeah. math, applied math. I feel that, I feel it. Um, so that was something that um, I used. The one thing that was really hard is that sometimes like things like dance classes, which you we would meet three times a week um, or twice a week. You know, if I was taking three dance classes a semester, that would be one credit for each class, but I would be meeting and I'd be in dance class nine hours a week because each class would be an hour and a half. Whereas um, a four credit English mm -hmm. class would meet, I was just in class constantly. Like I was in class all day, every day. And then at 7 p.m. I'd be in rehearsal from seven to 11. It was just a very intense schedule um, to sort of fit everything in. But I somehow did it. And I, my college roommate also was another, there haven't been a lot of kids in the program who've done this, um, but my college roommate was one of them. So we sort of were going through it together, which was very nice. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So tell me more about the process of actually getting into the other school, which is LSA. I didn't have to. You obviously auditioned that was, for I didn't have to get into LSA. School of Music Theater um, and I didn't do. I just sort of uh, went over there and said, I'm okay. in the music school. I want to do this too. Oh, so you don't have to apply in your original application for both no. like colleges well, and see if you get into it might have changed not, like, i don't think like so this was just how it was when i was there however i do think you know i can't remember with some schools it may be different i think for michigan i just waltzed in there i know that michigan because it's um the michigan musical theater program and the michigan school of music also hold themselves to a very high academic standard so if you're applying there to study the arts yeah. like i did they're not, if, if you're, you've all C's, they may not let you in to even audition. So I think that's part of why yeah. they don't make kids apply oh, to yeah. the second school should they want to do something. There was also a girl in my year at Michigan in the musical theater program who minored in math. Crazy. Um, yeah, so people did. Oh, wow. You know, I'll never understand people who choose to like, do math like props to them like i'm sure they say the same thing about people who choose to major in I, theater I like i'm sure they say that too but like i could never ever do it it just seems so 
<laughs> difficult all day, every day, just using the quadratic I formula. I, that's just not like something I can think of stuff. doing. I, I would like, it would take me so long to like get, I was good at math when I was a kid. And then one day I just was not good at math anymore. But I just remember um, having like, <laughs> um, I remember like I'd have a test in, in a math class and I would work so hard for the test. And I'd walk out of the room after the test and I'd be like, what? Like it, all the information would just fly. Oh my God. It's, it's true. I mean, I'm lucky if it stays in my head during the test, if I'm going to be completely honest, I, I'm, I, it's just not something that I same, can same, probably same, 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 say is a skill of mine. Um, anyway. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, high school and college, I guess. That's now. so good you're doing that. Uh, I am 16, almost, in four days, four days, always 16, so that's, thank you, that's, I'm kind of excited, I don't, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's not really something that's like, wow, but at the same time, it's like, kind of cool to be like 16. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, I mean, I, I like it, I just, it was really just something that was started like, out of the blue, I mean, everyone, like a lot of people ask me, Oh, so what made you start it? I don't know. I really, like, I really don't know what, like, in my head that was like, oh, you should do this. I just came up with the idea one day and was like, yeah, that could be something I could do. And then I did it. So, yeah. So now back to Broadway and New York and auditions and all that, you've obviously been auditioning for a very long time, like, like you said. Um, from the beginning, from yeah, what was sure. it? Eight, you said you auditioned for Annie. So, yeah. So, I mean, going through so many auditions, there has to be a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of okay moments, which is normal with all of this. But how do you kind of make sure you stay motivated and make sure that you don't always beat yourself down after the no or? How do you kind of keep yourself ready for the next thing, even if you um, just didn't get the last thing? Great question. Let me tell you that I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I am still figuring it out. Um, it's really hard. I could tell you everything I auditioned for. The things I've booked probably make <laughs> 2%. It's really hard. Um, and you also know intellectually that, you know, a lot of the times when you don't get a job, it's not because you didn't do a good job. It's not because you didn't have a good audition or a good tape. Um, you're just too young, too old. They want a redhead. Um, you know, it's the are factors that are out of your control. So yeah. one thing I try and focus on, and this is sometimes easier said than done, but this is a philosophy I do try and remember when I'm feeling uh, questionable about it all, which is often. Um, <laughs> is um, that all you can do, all you can control is leaving a good trail of work behind. So like if you're self-taping and you make a good tape and nothing comes of it, which happens more times than not, um, all you have to know that somebody watched it out there and you left a good trail of work behind. Eventually, and this does happen, the good trails of work mm -hmm. will find themselves and bring you opportunity. And that has happened to me. Yeah, because there's a lot of times where casting directors would just hold auditions, not even for a specific production, but just to get, like, new people on their radar, just to see, like, and they'll just keep your headshot and resume in a box somewhere, and when 
a production yeah. comes out that'll match you, they'll you call your agent or and maybe say, hey, you, you were doing a project and you're not this. right for it anymore. And then the music director is working on something very fancy and you get to work, they recommend you for something else. You just, you just really never know what's going to intersect and when. Um, I mean, I think of so many, mm-hmm. like when I, one of the first big jobs I did out of college was, um, um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame at La Jolla Playhouse and Paper Mill Playhouse, which was a very big thing for me. I was the Esmeralda understudy and I was in the ensemble and it was, it was truly one of the more joyous experiences I've ever had in the theater. Um, just in terms of the experience and the people and the, and it was just, it was wonderful. And, um, after that, you know, we were, we were, it was basically an out of town tryout by all means, even if they weren't going to call it that. So we were there with the, with everybody from Disney and I've worked with them since and Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz. And, you know, part of your job is, you know, if you leave a good trail of work behind, it'll come meet you. You know, one of the more artistically fulfilling things I've ever done was rags. Mm -hmm. And that came about because I, I sent Steven an email and I said, I think I'm right for this. Would, could I come sing for you? And he knew me. He was like, of course, what a great idea. I didn't think of that. And I came in, I sang and I came back an hour later and I got the job. But you, that's, that's the perfect example of, um, you just like, if you audition for some random thing, even if you don't get the job there, there may be something else. Um, or if you do a great job, at something random. You just never know. You really, you want, and it's hard to remember sometimes, but you really do never know. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just touched on this already, but growing up in New York, living in New York for the majority of your life, how do you think that kind of helped you make connections throughout your career uh, that got question. you to places um, I think, where you uh, are? Bits and pieces in, in multitudes of ways. I don't know, really know if there's an answer for that, um, a clear answer for that at least. Um, but I do think a lot of this business is, um, is relationships and, you know, people want to work with people who they like being in a room with and, um, people who they know they can be, who they can trust to, to make choices and have fun and, um, who will bring something to the piece. Um, when I was like 16, um, I started auditioning for adult jobs, even though I was still technically legally a kid. And I got pretty close to some stuff. Um, I got really close to, sorry. Um, I got really close to Sophie and Mamma Mia on Broadway a number of times. And then they kept being like, oh, wow. I'm not going to cast a teenager. Like this is more money than it's worth. Um, and then I was brought in for the Les Mis revival when um, Leia Michelle dropped out. And then they were like, once again, we're not going to cast a 17 year old. But it was this interesting thing that was happening that like they saw me from Mamma Mia a number of times and they decided to bring me in for Les Mis. And that was a great example. This is how casting often works in New York city is they like, they, I didn't get that one, so they brought me in for this one, but I created a relationship with that casting director. And then four years later, when I graduated from college, one of the first big jobs that I was in the mix for, I was up for a lot, was the Mary Poppins tour, which I did not get, but um, that was the same person. Um, hey, Eric, if you're listening to this, love you. Um, <laughs> but that came back around to help me, and that was the first time I was in front of the executives at Disney. You just, it's, do you see what I mean? You yeah, just, everything will lead to something else. Behind. It will eventually come meet you somewhere. And did I get Mary Poppins? No. But did I get Hunchback? Yes. Yeah. And so that's just kind of like the cycle, almost, you could call it. You may not get one thing. You may not get 10 things in a row, but then you'll get something else because of those 10 things that you met or you didn't get. Yeah. And also, like, it's in regards to the relationship thing. I know I'm sort of focusing this on casting, but I do think that's really 
if you're a young actor. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the most important parts of theater is the casting. Yeah, I mean, and like, there are a lot of shows that shoot in New York that have been around for a really long time, and I've been in for them a number of times. They, the, you know, like, you know you're doing a good job because you go back. <laughs> if they didn't mm-hmm. want to see you again, they wouldn't. So, you know, that's also a way that relationships work. And um, part of it is like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of other good examples of this. Of like, I think the Stephen Schwartz one, though, is a, is a pretty good one of, um, yeah. How's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked so much about New York City and the industry and everything. But let's talk about you as a performer, as an artist. So, this is something that I always like to talk about because I think it's funny now, but not at the time. And since you've done so many things from like TV to Broadway to off Broadway to New York, like, you know, I mean, you get what I'm saying. I'm sure you have at least a couple of these. And what are some of your biggest theater fails? Oh God. Now, when I, like, oh, yeah, okay. I can tell some things have already come to your head. Oh, yeah. Well, do you uh, want to, give me an example, like something of a show that went wrong or? Um, it's really like anything. Like I've had um, people who have fallen on their face during tap dancing in the middle of a show and somebody else who fainted in an audition. So it's really like, Okay. Everything to everything. So I love these types of stories. First of all, let me tell you, um, I'm the first cast member to go down. If something funny happens, I'm, I cannot keep it together. I'm, I'm the worst. Um, working when I was doing Fiddler, the other person who was also the worst <laughs> was Melanie Moore. And we together collectively were the worst. <laughs> like, if something happened that was wrong, Melanie and I were goners. I mean, it was embarrassing. Um, there was one day I remember we were doing the end of act one in Fiddler on the Roof is a wedding. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the way our stage worked is um, at the back of the stage, there was um, a hole in the ground with stairs. So you could enter this, the stage from the back and you sort of go up and then you get on the stage. Oh, okay. That's how the canopy and all of us came out for the wedding. And I remember one day, it was like a Wednesday matinee in February and there might've been like four people in the audience. And um, <laughs> Melanie and I, I was like holding Melanie for the wedding like we always did and she starts snickering and she sort of like is nodding her head to try and show me to the back and I look behind me and the canopy had broken. So I guess no. they didn't come off. They, and they were just all, the four people who held it were just sort of holding their hands as if they were miming it. <laughs> it was hilarious. There was no canopy. This existential canopy. Yeah. And um. Wait, well, you know what they say, show, don't tell. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just remember um, it was very funny and we were all sort of chuckling and we all said, you know, is this the little girl I carried? And we have the the whole sunrise sunset. And then suddenly it dawns on me that I have to sing next. And the lyrics that I sang with Perchick were, he went, they look so natural together. And I said, just like two newlyweds should be. And then together we had to sing, is there a canopy in store for me? And I just remember going, oh my God, I have to say canopy on stage. And we, I had, I cry when I laugh and I had tears streaming down my face. Um, anyway, it was a riot. That was one of the famous yeah. Fiddler ones. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. And I'm like you, whenever I laugh, like, it's hard to cover it up, I'll yeah, say. I, I think, I'm pretty sure the audience was laughing with us. It was just, it was a mess. There was also, um, a funny, 
there are a few times where like um at the end of far from the home i love my train station wouldn't leave the set so i'd be like bye papa and i just like walk to siberia <laughs> or um there was one day in hunchback at paper mill that i remember really well it was a great example also of actors working together where um mm -hmm. we had like the bells in the cathedral didn't fly up so we couldn't oh, push no. on um, Quasimodo's tower. We like pushed on this big staircase and that's where he's saying heaven's light. And they were like, just go. And so me, Beth, Nora, and Anise, the four women and, and Michael Arden all like walked on the set and we did the scene sort of, and we all somehow communicated with our eyes and sat down at the same time and did the scene and he sang heaven's light. And then we all just got up and walked off. And it was- With the bells right there magical theater moments where like we just sort of made lemonade and we all walked off and we were like oh my god oh my god <laughs> like, okay well it worked, it worked i guess so yeah yeah so little things like that yeah and so you've done a lot like i said and you've covered so much about what you've done in this interview but what has been your favorite past production that you've been a part of and what is your dream role that's a great question. Um, I'm not going to tell you what my favorite is because I wouldn't want to play favorites. All of these shows have different um, yeah. wonderful things about them. Um, Fiddler was such a defining experience. Um, it, it was important for Fiddler and Rags to me to talk about, um, to feel like I was a part of my family's history. Mm -hmm. Flamingo Kid was like going to summer camp with my best friends. Um, Hunchback was just like really building a family and telling a story that felt really important. You know, all of these big shows that I've done recently have all had on, um, um, had, had wonderful things about them. So I would never, it feel like that feels like picking a favorite child. Um, so I'm not going to do that. But um, my dream role is from a show that's actually being written. I've talked about this a little bit on social media. Um, my very good friend, Madeline Meyer, she's one of my best, best friends, um, is writing a musical about um, a woman named Rosalind Franklin. Wow. Um, let me tell you about her. Rosalind <laughs> um, <laughs> was um, an Anglo-Jewish woman living in, um, in Europe um, after the Second World War. And she was a X-ray crystallographer and was working in various labs and basically was, um, a huge part of the discovery of the structure of DNA and was left out of the dominant cultural narrative about the discovery of DNA and the three other people who did a lot of the work stole her data without her knowledge and uh, they went on to win the Nobel Prize and she never found out. So oh. Rosalind, um, my friend Madeline's running the show, that's probably my dream role. We have, um, we just did a table read of the whole piece via Zoom, which was really fun and interesting that I very much look forward to working on that some more. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of actors and artists and performers, they like to do is something new, something that they yeah. can create like the backstory for, or not like backstory, but they can create the character. And obviously whenever, like even if you get put into a performance, obviously you can still create the character, but there's some things that are already in place that's hard to Absolutely. change. There's a little bit of like a wall around as much you can do. Oh. I've been very so, yeah, I think in the last few years to have worked on a lot of new things um, in mm -hmm. theater sphere, at least. And um, that is, I would agree. It's my, I like what I really like, especially as I've gotten older, um, is I really like having a seat at the table. I like being a part of the creative process. Um, I think when I think back to my experience doing rags, one of the reasons why that show is so special to me and that experience was so special 
is that I was in the room with giants like Stephen Schwartz and Charles Strauss. And, oh yeah. Like, and David Thompson and, and you're just in the room with these giants and they're like, they, well, what do you think? And you're like, who me? Let's like, talk. What do I think? It's, and that's a very, as an artist, that's, that's the best thing you can ask for. Yeah. And I think, and, and I, and it makes sense, you know, it's so much better when like you're the one playing the character and it's who you like believe the character can be and the potential that the character has. And I think yeah. that's something cool. And then like if something a lot of people say, which is kind of similar to this is like, we want a role like written for like us, yeah, you know, totally. those things and, like that's such a, and that's, and all of it makes sense. You know, all like it does. It, I mean, especially when there's so many things out there that have already been written when something new is written, it just like, like raises everything to another level immediately because of how much is already out there. Yeah, it's um, it's also really, I'm so excited about Rosalind. I think it's a really timely story. It's about women in science. It's about a woman who didn't receive her due. It's about, um, it just feels like um, a real story of this moment. And um, I'm excited to keep working on it. Yeah, and, and it sounds great already. It sounds really cool. It's pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, pretty special. Yeah. yeah. So final question for you now. Right. Do you have any advice for people who want to be in the performing arts industry? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, now's, now's a tough time. <laughs> um, um, honestly, I, I'm just gonna stick with what I said before and just say all, there's so little about this you can control. So, all, so focus on leaving a good trail of work behind. All you can control is the work. So, so be nice, do a good job, be prepared and, and leave a good trail of work behind. It will come meet you. It's very, the, the way we sometimes get negative is that I didn't get it, I didn't get it, but you, you can't control that. That's not what you can control. What I can control is being prepared. I can control doing my homework. I can control being a lovely, fun person and I can control the work. That's what I can control in, in a pro, in a, in a business, in a business and a field that's very, can be very not encouraging. I can control yeah. those things. So I can't get upset. It's, I, you don't get upset about the things that you can't control. Easier said than mm -hmm. done, but a good way to try yeah. to focus your thinking. Yeah. So we've unfortunately come to the end of this week's interview so thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having me and thank you to everyone who tuned in look out for future episodes airing every saturday at 10 a.m eastern standard time stay safe everyone bye <laughs>